still this morning, I, I, I got up and I went outside and it was cold again. Uh, welcome to Alabama, right? It was cold again. And I got to thinking about it, it won't be too long till the warmth comes back and in the summer it's going to be, remember how we're wanting this cold weather in the middle of the summer sometimes, my goodness. Um, you know, I grew up, I, I grew up like you did, if, if you're from this area, the summers meant one thing to me, mowing grass. And in Alabama, that's the way it is because, I mean, you can mow the grass and in three days after a little rain and some sunshine, you can watch it just start growing. And uh, I grew up in a house with one acre of grass around it and one gasoline-powered push mower. Yes, I, I grew up watching my brother, who was five years older than me, I watched him every summer labor on Saturdays, most of the day, out mowing the grass, mowing the pasture, we almost called it. It was mowing that, and I saw him work on it. And I remember when I was about, I was about nine years old, my dad said, okay, Mark, it's time for you to learn how to mow the grass. Well, I immediately said, I'm too young. I don't have, I can't, I can't, it's too heavy. Remember that, those big old, it was a push mower, it had like bicycle wheels on the back and little ones on the front. It's heavy. I remember saying, no, no, no. I mean, I had cartoons to watch. I, I wasn't going to mow the grass. He said, yeah, you're going to mow it. So I went out in the backyard and, and um, you know, he cranked it for me and, and, and he said, go. So I started mowing it and they went in the house and, and I thought, they're watching me. I know they are. So drama guy that I am, I decided to let them know how difficult this was for me. So while I'm in the backyard and I'm just, oh, I'm just pushing it along. And, and there was one time I even fell to my knees and pulled myself up. And I'm thinking, my mom's in there crying right now, knowing that I'm, I'm, I'm having this hard time. And so after I had made one strip across the backyard, I thought I need to take a break and go get some water. So I turned it off and I came in and I expected when I walk in the house, my mother's going to say, bless your heart, Mike, get out there and mow the rest of that grass for your brother. But I walked in and they were laughing at me. <laughs> and my dad said, Mark, you put on a show out there. Now get your water and go mow the grass. So the rest of my life at home was grass mower. Yes, and that lawnmower lasted forever. I was a senior in high school. I had just graduated, actually. Summer, before I left for college, I go home one day, and there in the, in the yard is a rotting lawnmower. <laughs> now, a rotting lawnmower? And I thought, why? And I go, Dad, what is it? He goes, well, you're going to be going to college. I need something to mow the grass with. So I said, please, let me try it just one time. So he, he let me. That summer, I got to use it. And let me tell you something. It was amazing. I mowed that grass in no time. I didn't even have to get my tennis shoes green, you know, grassy wet. It was incredible. I remember seeing that blue riding lawnmower changed everything. Changed everything, which is the title of our sermon series we started last week. This changes everything. We talked about there are certain truths in God's Word. I mean, big truths, sweeping truths 
that if we really grasp them, if we really believe them, it will change everything about how we live for God and how we live our lives. Last week's was God became a man. That was our sweeping truth about how God went in our mind from from the God up there in heaven to the God down here with us, from, from the God on the mountain where the fire was to down here where we are, from, from God that was un, untouchable to Jesus who people could see and touch and feel and hear and how that changes everything. So that's what our series is about. We ended the message last week with Jesus' words where he said, I promise you, that I promise you that my presence on earth is not going to be a 33-year event, and that's it. But I'm going to remain here with you, that I'm not going to leave you. And that was the promise he gave. Look what he said in John 14. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him or know him, but you know him Because he abides with you, that's Jesus is with them right then, and he said, and will be, look at this, in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Jesus made a promise that his, God's presence on earth was not going to be uh, like it was with Jesus, just one man at one time in one space. But he was going to be able to live, Jesus was going to live, not in one body, but in everyone who knows him. That he would literally live in in them. He said, already he's with you, but he's going to be in you. That's amazing. You mean the powerful, miraculous, life-changing, powerful presence of God can live in a human other than Jesus? And it in humans more than one at a time? That's amazing. If that's true, that his presence and power on earth can live in us, this changes everything, if that's true. You may say, well, how does that happen? Well, I'm glad you asked. I want to I take you back. I'm an old history teacher, so i got to take you back to a little history lesson from the Old Testament, Okay. The first person, or one of the first persons, who, were, who, who actually saw the presence of God, the presence and power of God, actually saw it with his eyes, was Moses. The Bible says that Moses was out tending sheep, and he saw a, a little fire up on the mountain. And so he went up the mountain, and he got there, and he found out there was this bush. And it was burning, but it wasn't burning up. It was just glowing and burning, and, and, and there was fire there. And all of a sudden, a voice came out of it and started talking to him. And he said, I'm the Lord your God. And all of a sudden, Moses realized, I'm on holy ground. I am in front of the presence of God. He's right here in front of me. The burning bush experience. And so God told him in a voice, he said, go, go set my people free. And so uh, later on, Moses goes down to Egypt and, and deals with Pharaoh and And God sets the people free. And the Bible says when they came out of Egypt, that same fire that was in that bush became a pillar of fire. And the Bible says it led them out of Egypt. All the people of God saw the presence of God. 
It said in the daytime it was smoke, and at night it was fire. It led them out of Egypt to the Red Sea. It led them through the Red Sea. Hey, look, if the presence and power of God started getting to the Red Sea, I can tell you the Red Sea had to stand up at attention because God was crossing the sea right there. And that's how they got across. And when they got on the other side, it kept going with them. And finally, they went to the bottom of a mountain. And the fire went up to the top of that mountain. The Bible says the top of the mountain had the fire of God swirling around it. And Moses called it the mountain of God. It's the same place he had seen that bush earlier. Well, the people stayed at the the bottom, but Moses went up there again. And when he went up there, he was up there for a while. And people thought he's burned up because God's presence is so powerful up there. In a little while, he came down and his face was glowing and his hair was glowing and 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 he was carrying with him these these two ten commandment tablets he had the the law of god and he walked down among them the bible said they had to put a veil on his face it was so bright it was the glorious bright shining presence of god now the rabbis called that glorious presence of god by name they called it the shekinah glory of god now Some of you have heard that before. The word Shekinah is a Hebrew word, but it's not in the Bible. It's the rabbis at that time explaining what that glory was. It was a a glory you could see, and it was evident that God's presence was there. It was evidence of the presence of God, and it usually had to do with fire and smoke and light and stuff like that. It was called the Shekinah glory of God. The word uh, Shekinah comes from a word, a Hebrew word, Shekan. Shekan means residing or dwelling or settling on something. So the Shekinah glory is when the glory settles in a certain place or on a certain person. That's what that's what that was. Um, then God told him this. He said, "Build a special box and put those ten commandments in the box. It's called the Ark of the Covenant." They put the Ten Commandments in the box and closed it up. God said, now build a special tent and put the box in the special tent behind a special curtain. And that's called the Holy of Holies. And that's where my presence is going to reside. And folks, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says when they built the tent and they took the Ark of the Covenant in there and put it in its place, the Bible says that pillar of fire came down again out of heaven and it came and sucked into that holy of holies and the power of God was there and the people were amazed they saw the presence and power of God it was amazing later on King Solomon decided the tent was just too too small for a big God so he built a huge temple and in that temple they built the holy of holies and they took the ark of the covenant in there and the day they dedicated it and put it in there it happened again The fire of God came down from heaven, filled the temple, the Bible says. It says the priests were so overwhelmed, they passed out. They were laying around all over the place. They were passed out. They couldn't handle the power of God. They weren't dead. They were just out, uh, out under the power, they they would say. And there they were, and it was the power and presence of God. The Shekinah glory of God had rested in a place. And so everybody said, That's where God lives. He lives in the temple up there. Well, the people of God began to take God's presence for granted. And they considered it no big deal. They fell into sin, started worshiping idols. And you know what God did? God allowed the Babylonians, who was an empire of 
of a terrific army to come and destroy Jerusalem, destroy the temple, and destroy the Ark of the Covenant. And they took it all. So now God's people had no temple, no Ark of the Covenant, no Holy of Holies, and they were made slaves and taken to Babylon as slaves. But you know, God taught them another lesson that day. God doesn't have to live in a box. And while they were in Babylon, they said, how can we sing the Lord's song? Well, God showed them how to sing his song. They began to meet in small groups and in synagogues, they were called. They began to meet there and they began to worship the Lord. And God did miracles even in Babylon and brought them back 70 years later from Babylon back to Jerusalem. And they rebuilt their city and they rebuilt the temple. But the problem was they didn't have an Ark of the Covenant. So they had to make another one. But they didn't have anything to put in it. So the Ark of the Covenant was empty. But they left it in there anyway. And they continued worshiping God and God honored their worship. And then corruption came again. About the time Jesus was born, God decided to show the Shekinah glory another way. Jesus was born. He was the presence of God on earth. He was the Holy of Holies. He was the Ark of the Covenant. He, he had the presence of God in him. Well, where, was, where was all the lights and the glowing and all? Well, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you how we know it. Remember what the shepherds saw when they were out in the field? The Bible says, and the glory of the Lord shone. It's a word for light. was light all around them, and they were flipped out. The glory of the Lord, angels everywhere. That was the Shekinah glory announcing that God is here. That's what we talked about last week. God became a man. And not only that, God put a giant star in there in the, in the sky to announce the Shekinah glory. He said, there he is, there he is. That was the Shekinah glory saying, God's presence is evident in this one. His name is Jesus. Now, Jesus, uh, his glory was seen because the temple was corrupt, and you didn't see his glory there. The glory of God was seen in the miracles of Jesus, in the teachings of Jesus, in the way Jesus transformed lives, the way that he, he helped people, he loved people, he spoke to people, he prophesied to people. The miracles that he did, that was the evidence of the Shekinah glory of God. It was in what Jesus did with his hands and through his mouth and through his speaking. And one time, James, John, and Peter went up on this mountain and the whole light show happened. Jesus, the Bible says, was transformed. That means that he, he, he was changed. He glowed. He was glowing. And they saw Shekinah glory of God in Jesus on that mountain, only briefly, but it, they never forgot it, and it changed them. Later on, the Romans and the religious Jews got together and killed Jesus. They crucified him on a cross. Ah, but three days later, the Shekinah glory showed up in the tomb and blew that a tombstone way away and Jesus walked out 40 days later the Shekinah glory of God came again and it took him up into the sky and the people saw him as he as he as he gloriously with light and everything going up into the sky and Jesus said wait it's coming so these people went back 120 by the way there were over 500 
who saw Jesus resurrected, but only 120 of them did what he said. They went into a room and they prayed. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, while they were praying, this fireball showed up in the top of the room. It was this huge ball of light. The Bible says they heard, a, heard something that sounded like a wind, and, and the light filled the room. And then, and then, I, well, I can read to you in the Scripture. It said, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separating and come to rest on them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The Shekinah glory that showed up in the room it exploded into 120 pieces. And every piece went and landed on one of their heads and filled their body and their hands were lifted and they started praising God in languages they had never learned. The Shekinah glory that had been in the temple, that had been in the burning bush, that had been in the pillar of light, that had been in Jesus, now lived in 120 people in the upper room. Woo! Man! That's amazing. That was the Shekinah glory. What was the evidence that God's presence and power was there? The Holy Spirit filled them. 120 of them. That's 120 times Jesus. That's amazing. That's power right there. Just like the one power on Mount Sinai, just like the one Moses saw, now lives in people. It's true. It's true. That changes everything. If that's true, it changes everything. Let me explain how. I'm human, okay? I'm imperfect. I have a past, okay? I'm unworthy. I am limited in every way. Amen? I have limited knowledge, I have limited wisdom. I have limited discernment. I have limited understanding. I have limited power. I have limited resources. I have limited talents and skills. I have limited strength. I have limited endurance. I have limited patience. <laughs> I have limited love. I even have limited faith on my best days. But God is not limited in any way. God has unlimited knowledge and wisdom and, and discernment and miraculous power. And God has unlimited resources and skill and strength and endurance and patience and love and faith. God has all of that. So if the Holy Spirit, oh, this is so good. If the Holy Spirit comes and lives in me, that means I don't just have what I got. I now got what he's got. That's amazing. That changes everything. So you know now that the big truth I'm trying to get across is, hey, God's power lives in me. God, last week, God became a man. This week, God's power lives in me. If that's true, that changes everything. Have you, have, have you, ever, have you ever realized what all God offers through the Holy Spirit? If you, just, if you just take a, a read in the New Testament of what the Holy Spirit brings, I just, I just want to pick one place out. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me tell you what it says. It says God has gifts and he gives them. Look at this. Look at this. You know, I told you what I'm limited in? Well, listen to what this says. It says, to one is given a message of wisdom, message of knowledge, 
message of faith, gifts of healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and there are other gifts that are mentioned in the Bible far beyond those. That's just nine in one place. Those are the things I'm lacking, and that's what God's given me. God's given me that. They are given to anyone who wants to walk in the fullness of God's Spirit. (laughs) All 120 people in that room had that option. And all, however many there are in here, in this room that know Jesus, you have that option too. Do you understand how if God's power lives in me, changes everything? Do you understand how big a deal that is? If that's true, that means, and I'm down to my points now. Point one, God can speak through me. God speaking through you is not like God throwing you in a trance and and taking over your body and making you say something like some cosmic ventriloquist. That's weird. That's not God, all right? That's not how it goes. Sometimes people like for it to look that way, but it doesn't. No, God gives you a thought, an idea, a scripture, a message, a, a, um, uh, maybe a, a, a deep impression, something he wants you to share, and you feel it in your heart. And then all of a sudden, God gives you a divine appointment or somebody you're supposed to share it with. And you're supposed to open your mouth and tell what God put in your heart to somebody. It may just be your testimony of the goodness of God, or it may be some specific thing God has told you to tell them that, that you would know no other way except that God told you. It doesn't really matter. That's what God, God speaks through you. He can do it. He can speak through you. Sometimes it's words of encouragement. Sometimes it's testimony. Sometimes it's um, something specific. Jesus was uh, walking after his resurrection. He was, he was resurrected, and he was walking down this road to Emmaus, and there were two guys walking with him, and the two guys that were walking with him didn't know it was Jesus, and they were talking. And the Bible says when they got to where they were going, and Jesus was gone, they thought, that was Jesus. That was, that was Jesus we heard was resurrected. And one of them said this, did not our hearts burn within us as he was talking to us while we were walking? I want to tell you something, God, folks. God will give you opportunities if you will yield yourself to the Holy Spirit to put a message for you to say to somebody in your heart and you're going to open up and you're going to share it and their hearts are going to burn within them when you share what God tells you to share. It's not weird. It's not weird at all. It's loving. It's kind. It's done gently and humbly. It's done with, with a plea from God's heart to them. It's, it's, it's not you getting up like some angry preacher. <laughs> it's, it's like you speaking something that has power in it without you giving the power to it. God does it. It's true. <clears throat> That's the Shekinah glory of God. That's the presence of God evident that he's there if you just do that. Now, here's the second thing. Here's my second point. Already at number two. That's pretty good. Number two, God can do his work through me. He can. When Moses saw the burning bush, remember, God said, go to Egypt and set my people free. Talk to Pharaoh. Moses said, nope, not going to do it. Can't do it. Don't have what it takes. And God said these words, I will be with you. 
right now when you think, oh, I don't know about doing God's work. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I got what it takes. I don't know enough scripture. I don't, I don't have enough experience. I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't pray enough. Never will you, all those things. But if you'll say, God, use me, you can be a Christian one hour and God can use you. Moses went down there and it changed history. It did. Before the Holy Spirit came on Peter, James, and John and all those people, before the Holy Spirit came on them, they got in trouble one time. They were trying to heal this little boy, a little sick kid. You know, Jesus healing everybody. And Jesus said, go lay hands on the sick. And they had a hard time with this little sick kid who, who, uh, who was disturbed. He had a demon, and, and he was just he was sick. And they couldn't, they couldn't even help him. And they came to Jesus and said, why can't we? Well, after the Holy Spirit came on them, Peter and John, same Peter and John, came walking by this beggar one day. And he was, he was just by the gate, and the beggar said, I need some money. And all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to their hearts, and one of them said, Hey, sir, we don't have any money. We don't have silver or gold, but we got something better. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And the guy got up, and the Bible said he was walking and leaping and praising God. This guy was not, oh, wow, thank you, I feel better. He was like, whoa, and he was the evidence of God's presence. It was the Shekinah glory. The evidence of God's presence was there. They didn't have it before, but when the Holy Spirit came on them, they had it. Now, did they heal that man? Did they take credit for it? No. God did it. God did it. It's true. Um, the other day, Peggy and I were talking. Uh, Peggy, my wife, had, she, uh, was, had walked in the neighborhood, you know, doing the old daily walk thing, and she's met a lot of the neighbors. And there's a specific neighbor that she had met before that uh, she got to know them, and uh, this lady's husband had passed away, and, and they were, had been real sick, and so Peggy made contact with them, and she was just talking with the lady, and the lady was letting her know that, that her back, she had a lot of back trouble, a lot of back pain, all the time, constant, and so Peggy just said, well, what, would you let me pray for you? And the lady goes, well, of course. She's, she's a delightful lady, a wonderful lady, and she said, well, of course, and so Peggy prayed for her, and the, the lady goes, wow, I, I don't have any more pain. <laughs> I don't have, and she saw her the next day. She said, you know, ever since you prayed for me, I haven't had any pain. Let me, let me, my wife is amazing, and she can do so many incredible things, but she can't heal people. <laughs> but God can. That was God's power in her. That wasn't Peggy. That was God's power in her. And she just obeyed and did what God said. That's the Shekinah glory of God. That's the evidence of his presence is that when we go and do what God tells us to do. You, you may want to see a lot of smoke and fire and people falling out all over the place, but the truth is the greatest evidence of God's presence is you just do what he tells you to do. Here's number three. I've only got four, so we're getting close. God can give me his eyes and ears. Wow. Wow. Years ago, there was this young man that, that we invited to come to Master's Commission. Uh, this was several years ago. And I'll be honest with you, the guy had a lot of baggage with him. He was it, a lot of baggage. He was a difficult person in a lot of ways. Um, uh, his, 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 parents were, his parents were divorced, and they, there was a lot of chaos at home. And um, he came to Master's Commission, and his parents both showed up at different times. One parent 
at one time or one another to help him move in our house. And um, when his mom arrived with him, and Peggy and I were standing there, and uh, she came in, and, and we were so glad to have him. And the other guys, you know, that were going to be roommates with him, they were all in there, and they're all high-fiving and getting to know each other. And she said, the mother said this, you won't like him. And I'm going to tell you what, Peggy was so awesome at that moment. She spoke up and said, we already like him. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> it was a God thing. We already like him. And just sort of shut that thing down. That also was Shekinah Glory that did that. A little later, the dad came, and in front of other people, in front of us, in front, he said, I'll give him about a week, you'll end up kicking him out. And so we spent time telling that dad all the things we felt like God was going to do in him. Just said, no, God's going to, this guy's going to be incredible. We, God's got plans for him. We didn't know specific things. We just built him up right there in front of his dad. And, uh, you know, the look on his face when these two people were just bragging on him, he wasn't used to that. Now, I'm going to tell you, the next, the next few years with him and MC was difficult. I'm going to tell you, it was Pastor Jason and Pastor Corey were there. They know. He wrecked Jason's truck one time. Uh, but let me tell you what. God worked in that boy's life. You know what he's doing today? He and his marvelous family are pastors of a growing spirit-filled church in a place in America that is one of the hardest places in the world to have a church. And he's there and faithful and serving God. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Because God gave the people here at Kingwood his, his ears and his eyes so that we could see what God had for him. So we could share that with him and encourage him. That's the Shekinah glory of God, evidence of his presence. And here's point number four. God can give me his heart. God can get, have you ever had a hard time loving somebody that was just sort of really unlovable? Have you ever had a hard time forgiving somebody that seemed to be unforgivable because they wouldn't stop? Yeah, we all have. It's so easy to write those kind of people off. Just push them aside and say, I'm done with you. I'm done with you are terrible words. Don't ever say it. God has never said I'm done with you to me. He has never said I'm done with you to you. Don't ever say it to anybody else. It's so easy to write people off like that, though. So through the Holy Spirit living in me, I can forgive and love anyone. Did you hear it? Because God can give me his heart. I can. There's a, there's a story some of you know uh, th this well. There was a lady, a Dutch lady, who spent time in a Nazi concentration camp in World War II named Corrie Ten Boom. Uh, Corey and her sister, Betsy, uh, were thrown in there because they were saving Jews' lives, and the Nazis caught them and threw them in there. And um, they were terribly, terribly treated and abused physically in every other way, you can imagine, by these Nazi guards. And there was one man especially, one guard, who was especially cruel, and especially cruel to Corey's sister, Betsy, that actually caused her death, caused her sister's death in the camp. And Corey had a lot of feelings about this 
lot of feelings about this, uh, this guard. But after the war, two or three years after the war, she was making a tour talking about God's deliverance and his forgiveness and, and, and really preaching the gospel throughout Europe. And Corey was giving her testimony. And she was in a place in Germany. And she was giving her testimony. A crowd of people were there. And they gave the invitation. People came down. And she saw that guard walk to the front. And all that hatred began to boil up inside of her. That's the one responsible that's the one that did terrible things to me and, and, and was responsible for my sister's death. And she said part of her wanted to run over and jump on him and choke him. And she said the other part of her, the Holy Spirit in her, suddenly won that battle. And she stretched her hand out and said, I forgive you, my brother. And he recognized her at that moment. And Corey said, all of that hatred melted because God had given her his heart that's who the Holy Spirit is in you that is the evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit you know if it's true that God lives in me God's power lives in me that some good things can happen in my life. God's got a lot of miracles in store for me if I'll just obey Him. You know, I didn't grow up, I grew up in a Christian home, a wonderful Christian home, but I did not grow up knowing about the power of the Holy Spirit. I grew up just in the dark about most of the power of the Holy Spirit. I believed in Him, but like Pastor Ron used to say, he's sort of like the the crazy uncle you keep in your attic. You just don't want anybody to know about him, you know? Well, I, I, di I didn't grow up knowing. And so finally, when I was a teenager, some people began to talk to me about the power of the Holy Spirit. And they began to show me the power of the Holy Spirit. And I was all in, especially when I read this verse. There's a verse I want to share with you. Listen to this. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? When I heard about Holy Spirit power, it changed everything. It changed everything. It changed my call of ministry. It, it changed my direction of ministry. It changed my church. It changed my, my theology. It changed the way I live my life because I know now, I know something about the Holy Spirit. And I, and I wouldn't trade that for anything. It actually even changed my family and my parents too. It changed all of those things. The Holy Spirit's entrance into our family changed everything. And the same will be true for you. God didn't wind us up and say, now you're saved and stick us down here and say, figure it out. No, he said, I live in you. I want to fill you and just let you be my hands and my feet and my mouthpiece and my ears and my eyes and my heart. Don't let anybody rob you of that. Don't let the devil rob you and say you can just be a come to the church Christian. No, you've got the power of God in you. Today, some of you, uh, this may be new to you. Uh, Peggy and I watched this thing the other night about John Wesley, who lived back in the 1700s, and 
he was the guy that had all the scripture down perfectly, but he was miserable. Because <laughs> he, he, he just was working hard for Jesus. And one day, he met some people that had the Holy Spirit working in them. And it, it, he thought, what in the world? And he met these people. They had a peace that other people didn't have. And, and the, uh, in, the, in the movie, we saw John Wesley said the one verse that changed his life was this one. 2 Peter chapter 1, it said, His divine power gives us everything we need to live a godly life. And he's given us exceeding precious promises so that by them we can become partakers of his divine nature. That means God's miraculous power can live in us. And it changed everything. That could change you today. Some of you in a few minutes, we're, we're going to sing a song. You guys, you can go on and come in if you'd like. We're going we're gonna to sing a song. And during this song, would you let this be a time where you say, Holy Spirit, I want to offer myself to you. Lord, I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. I want to walk in the fullness of the Spirit. I want to walk that way. I want your power in me to not just be something I believe, but something I live. And then, and then we're going to give you an opportunity to make that commitment. Some of you today have walked in the closeness of God's Spirit before, and it's, it's sort of gone away from you. You've, you've walked away from it. God wants to renew that in you today. And some of you today, you may want to ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Or maybe say, God, I want to know about your Holy Spirit. I want to be hungry for your Spirit. Let this song start that in your heart, and, and we'll be back to pray in a few minutes.